Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is Mark Dardenne, Chief Operating Officer of Luxury Brands in Europe at Accor. Coming up on today's show, Mark perfectly sets the scene for today's chat. Maybe another story, I have a lot of stories, but like, uh, that's oh, it, that's it. Unleashed, <laughs> unleashed. Unleashed, unleashed. Phil gives the impression he'd prefer to be somewhere else. Oh, my mates are out, you know, on the lash and I'm, I've got to be here tied to my desk. And Mark reveals just how cool Giorgio Armani is. And Mr. Armani arrives, he does selfies with everybody, he, he's uh, behind the DJ booth. All that and so much more as Mark walks us through his story and journey to date. This chat is rammed full of incredible insight from Mark on a number of things including leadership and culture and creating, welcoming and leaving experiences. It really is a cracker. Don't forget, we launch a brand new episode each week telling the amazing and always amusing stories from hospitality. So make sure you hit that subscribe button and give us a like and a share across your favourite social networks. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to another episode of Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street. Today we're back in luxury hotels and I'm delighted to welcome a real force in the industry, having worked for some of the industry's most recognisable brands, including the likes of Emar, Jumeirah, Ritz-Carlton, and he now finds himself with a core as COO of their Lux Europe portfolio, which includes brands such as Raffles, Fairmont, and of course, Sofitel. So I am super delighted to welcome to the show, Mark Darden. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. And it's great to be on the show. And thank you very much for inviting me. You know, it's great to reconnect and uh, to talk about uh, the current situation and the future, which uh, what, in my what opinion, situation? Right. yeah, the current <laughs> situation. Yeah. yeah. You know, I thought in my career, I've done all the, the crisis uh, in Asia, Middle East and so on. Then I come to Europe and uh, uh, never experienced such a global crisis, you know, so but yeah. uh, so I guess we, we never uh, stop learning. Do you know what? That's, that's a wonderful way to look at it. And, and I've heard a f- more than a few people now look at it this way. I actually remember somebody saying to me, what a time to be alive. Because you know, when do you get the opportunity to learn the things that this teaches you? Mm-hmm. No, t- t- totally. You know, when when you think uh, obviously when things are good, etc. You know, you you do the usual things. You don't think out of the box, and you you're kind of in your comfort zone. And uh, clearly, this whole year has has thrown us out of our comfort zone. You know, we suddenly needed to have a, a better focus really on our operations and our people, our partners, our owners, and so on, and kind of rethink our business you know because i think we we've been pretty traditional in the way we do things and uh mm-hmm. this crisis has pushed us really to rethink many 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 things on many ways uh on how we approach business yeah i completely agree where are you in the world today i'm i'm based in uh switzerland actually beautiful uh, zook i'm just overlooking a beautiful lake with snow etc oh. and, and this was another learning curve for me a little bit i was kind of used to a, a normal corporate office where you have your executive team and you sit around the table and you discuss and so on and then suddenly I, I, I had to, to get used to uh, this matrix organization where some of my teams sit in London, some in Paris, some in some in here in, in Zurich. And actually, this is the new normal and uh, this yeah. is something we will have to get used to. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, and I suppose as well, I, I, most of the people that we've had on the show here, here have been you know, single unit leaders or, or whatever. We, don't, we haven't had that many multiple site people on but then on top of that you've got multiple countries to deal with and and that's really what uh, really excited me you know i was approached by a car about two years ago to to join them and you know i kind of never thought about a car as a, an opportunity because i've been in the in the luxury business forever and i suddenly realized that Number one, Accor has an incredible selection of luxury brands. And what I really liked was, you know, kind of the forward thinking, thinking differently, 
of uh, our CEO Sebastian on the whole group, you know. So when you look at our some of our competitors, and I, I, I used to work for Merit, and nothing against them, they're great and they do great things, but um, you know they don't take as much risk as we do and don't try to explore new opportunities as a, a core does, right? So. Right. When I had the, the opportunity to join and, and what interested me is exactly what you're saying. You know, I have hotels in, in Russia, hotels in uh, St. Andrews uh, in Scotland, Ireland, and it goes down to Portugal and the different brands, you know. So I, I thought it's a, a great way to come back to Europe and, and really, you know, understand the, the different locations and deal with different ownerships. And on, again, like I said earlier, always uh, continue to learn. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd, I spent, you've also spent quite a lot of your career away from Europe, uh, which I, I can only imagine enriches your your kind of knowledge base, etc., and helps you prepare for uh, a lot more unexpected things. But before we kind of get into all of that, if you could take us all the way back to the the very beginning, how did you actually get your your start in hospitality? Where did that where did that desire to, to work in the industry come from? Wow, that goes back a, a long, long time. But uh, yeah, two, two or three years, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, funny enough, uh, you know, I always knew what I wanted to do. It's it's strange, you know. I went to my mom. I said, "Look, um, you know, I really like." I must say, my my parents used to like entertaining, and I was always fascinated by uh, you know a beautiful table and my. My father was a kind of a hobby cook, and uh, so maybe that's where I, I got it from him. And then I really uh, always wanted to travel. I said, you know, I want to explore the world, and I want to travel. And, you know, I always liked people, you know, so, so the, the connection. And I always enjoyed uh, good food and good wine, you know. So I thought, uh, that's it, you know, the hospitality. And I, I signed up for hotel school in Lausanne and then the, the rest is history. And the first job that I took after Lausanne was really an experience in Kuwait. At that time, uh, you know, the Middle East was not really known in Europe that yeah. much. And it was a big uh, adventure. And, you know, afterwards, uh, from, from there to Africa, back to Europe, and then Asia, Middle East, and then here now back to Europe, uh, you know, you know, fantastic experience. Yeah, do you know that I, this is something that I, I talk about a lot with anybody that's starting out in in the industry. The industry offers you such an amazing opportunity to see the world. You know, who would have thought that? I, I can imagine that Kuwait wasn't necessarily number one on your list of places to go, but then a, an opportunity presents itself to you, and you think, well, what? A, as you say, what an adventure. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think we, we, you know, you you need to really have the passion for the business, you know. So, if you're really passionate about well, for any business, and if you have that passion, then you you're going to do well. And uh, you, you know, an opportunity like this, I actually met my wife in Kuwait, and uh, you know, we're together right. for the last thirty-four years and learned a lot. I learned a lot about the culture. You know, I had no idea what what the Middle East and the the, the, the local culture. That really uh, taught me a lot over the years to adjust to these uh, different situations, being a crisis, being different ownerships, and so on. You really learn to adjust and to see how you can be effective. You know? So so yeah. uh, fantastic learning curve. Yeah, absolutely. So where did you go after Kuwait? Kuwait, Kuwait. Uh, I went actually to Africa, you know, to, to Benin, Cotonou. Again, a great adventure to, you know, I worked at that time for Sheraton and uh, a real uh, challenging hotel, uh, but I wanted to progress in my career. And again, a very nice experience. That's actually where I got married, you know, so right. so uh, lots of good memories. And then uh, after that, I really wanted to come back to Europe. You know, I didn't want to uh, spend too much time in Africa. I went back to Germany, spent a, a couple of years there. And then uh, uh, a call came from Asia. And at that time, Asia was the promised land for hospitality in terms of yeah. service. And, and uh, so I, I, I moved from, a, from a, a very corporate environment like Germany, it was actually Essen, uh, to a place like Bali, which uh, was like incredible because, um, you know, I, I never 
could understand how you could have an open air lobby. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> so obviously now we, we know, but um, that, yeah, that hasn't really taken off in uh, Europe yet. No, it? no, no, not really. Not really. I can't imagine why. And, and there again, you know, understanding the Hindu culture and, you know, discovering Bali was just uh, tremendous. And uh, we had, uh, uh, you know, a beautiful hotel there, an experience also a resort uh, and, and trying to, you know, to experiencing the whole of Asia was very, very exciting. Yeah, I, I actually had a, a motorcycle accident on uh, on Bali. Ooh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I wasn't at the helm. Um, yeah. I, was, I was a passenger, but thankfully we were only going about ten miles an hour at the time. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Too many sleeping dogs on the on the on the road. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but beautiful, beautiful place. Yeah, um, yeah. I've yeah. also white white water rafted in in Bali. Beautiful, uh, yeah. And we, I I can remember going underneath a waterfall. Yeah. And you know, you come out into you know, up on a hillside almost, and you're looking down onto paddy fields, and it was just like, oh, mm. it's just incredible place, an incredible place. Yeah, and it's also the you know the the whole culture and the Balinese have such a strong belonging in their community and their you know so many stories to tell really and 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 when you move for example you know obviously dealing with a german workforce going to to bali I had to completely switch the way i was i was working to become obviously successful on making sure that uh, i had a team on board you know so then from there i moved to jakarta jakarta then manila i had my first uh, gm's job in in manila right and then moved to singapore which i i, I really enjoyed Enjoyed also, you know, because um, that time, uh, great hotels. I, I was at the Grand Hyatt in Singapore. That was a, a great food and beverage operation, a very nice hotel, and it it it, it was a great experience. Yeah, well, Singapore is just a, another incredible place. In fact, everywhere that you've been is is an incredible place. Yeah, some people ask me, you know, what, what's the which one did you like the most? You know, and I, yeah. I, I must really say that um, I like them all. I always say, look, if you're not happy in a place, you know, don't stay. You know, I, I had too many colleagues that said, I don't like this, I don't like that, or, you know, I'm not paid enough. And I said, good. I mean, then make your decision and move on, you know. So yeah. so I always thought uh, every location is different and you take something out of it. And, and again, there's always great aspects to it, you know. After that, I moved back to, to Bali and, and joined Ritz-Carlton, which was... Um, which was great because uh, that was really after Singapore, the Granite Singapore. That was my my step into the the luxury and I, I wouldn't call ultra luxury, but luxury. Yeah. Uh, and the the thing is also I I really recommend sometimes to to young colleagues or professionals to also take a step and and, and switch companies. You know, and it's not. I have nothing against somebody who has been 20 years with Four Seasons, or, but you become really one-sided, one-minded, yeah. you know. And for me, I, you know, I did work mostly with uh, Hyatt, which I learned a lot, especially on the food and beverage side. And then Ritz-Carlton taught me a lot about quality, driving quality processes, or the, the uh, focus on people, getting the right talents, getting the right attitude, and... Yeah. Uh, all about ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen so you always oh, yeah. learn something when you you are part of a company uh another company you know so again when i look at cvs and i see somebody has done 20 years for four seasons that's great but question mark if they can really change if they want to change and also if you know they can push themselves out of their comfort zone it's so easy to to stay back and and enjoy what you do, which is fine, you know, but that was not never really my character. I always wanted to challenge myself, uh, push myself, learn, and I still do that today. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the old adage of the life's too short, right? I mean, you, you, we've, if you've got the, uh, the mindset to, to push yourself and stretch yourself out, out of your comfort zone, then get on with it because, um, you know, we're a long time dead. Yeah, it's true, and time goes so quickly, you know. So yeah, the last exist. thing, last thing you want to do and look back, I should have done this, I should have done that, and some. 
And, and you know, when I look back, uh, you know, I've done many mistakes and maybe I should have, but I never regretted anything, you know, because even yeah. a mistake, even you feel you have done a mistake maybe somewhere, but you learned out of it, you know, so... So the key is always to look forward and uh, keep on going. And, you know, that's what I, I did also in Singapore. I, I did an ex executive MBA, which I, I, I just thought I, I needed to, again, learn learn more. And very, very challenging. I, I remember sitting in the first class. I was with, um, you know, 20 Singaporeans who are absolutely brilliant in math. Right. <laughs> I was like last in class, right? Obviously against them. <laughs> But then I, I blew them out of the water in marketing and PR and whatever yeah. and human resources and so on. Um, so I, I was just, I had my revenge there eventually, you know, so. Yeah, well, I think that also demonstrates that actually the, the core skill set for, for senior leadership, actually, uh, a lot of it comes from logic and common sense. Yeah. You know, you can vote on the, the extra bits and nobody can ever teach you how to manage every single individual under the, the sun because, you know, there's so many different characters. Yeah. But it can it can teach you, well, you can teach yourself how to be able to handle people generally and and treat them with respect. And, and generally that respect is reciprocated. Not completely, you know, and the, the other thing is that when I uh, went to hotel school, you know, Lausanne, great school, I mean, well regarded, uh, it was a true hotel school that was very, very practical, basically, you know, how to learn, how to cook, how to, you know, administration and so on. Uh, yeah. Whilst uh, today's school, I just went recently actually to, to speak to some of the, the students and it's a real business school. And, you know, obviously, I, I just felt that I needed that business aspect also. And it's actually interesting to see these hotel schools like Lausanne, only about 20% remain in the industry. But uh, it's a great education to go. You have a lot of uh, students who go into uh, wealth management, for example. Right. Uh, they go into, uh, you know, obviously banking. They go into uh, consultancy and so on. I think it's a great preparation to life. Uh, these schools, but it's interesting to see that only twenty percent stay in the business because it's, uh, right. yeah, it's a, it's a you know it's a very challenging, very very hard business because you you have to move your way up. You know, I I have to admit that we probably not uh, the uh, we don't pay the most. I mean, it's exciting and it's great and it's fun. And it's just incredibly hard to move up the, the ladder. I mean, it's not impossible, of course, but uh, mm. it's a tough business. It's weekends and it's the evenings and so on. And I still remember when my, my son uh, spoke to me, we had this uh, father-son discussion. I said, look, um, what would you like to do? And he said, oh, I want to do what you do. I said, I'm very flattered. That's very nice. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but you actually do know what i do i say no no not really so so i send him for a month in a hotel and i told him i told the gm look you know uh no pity you put him at night you put him in banquets you put him in housekeeping you put him in stewarding and so on yeah and he, he did that and he came back to me he said uh, look um i like it but i'm not too sure if i'm 100 passionate i said that's exactly what i wanted to hear and he did uh, great education in, in the US and he works now for a, a startup company that is funding uh, startups and um, in San Francisco is doing very well and I'm really, really happy for him. But he yeah. loves to cook, you know, he loves to cook. So, you know, he, he loves, he likes, he, he likes that business, but he, he, he made the choice. And I, I think that's, he made the right choice. Yeah, well, I think you, you alluded to it earlier on in the conversation around the fact that you know this this has got to come from the heart. You know, it you as you say, you you do put yourself out there a little bit in terms of the fact that when you know your circle of friends from school might be out partying on New Year's Eve, you might be doing a shift. Yeah, and uh, you know, so if you're going to put yourself in that situation, then for sure you've got to you've got to want to do it. Yeah. Yeah, you can't can't turn up to a shift and go. Oh, oh, my mates are out, you know, on the lash, and I'm I've got to be here tied to my desk or whatever. Then that's the wrong business for you. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. You you need to have that passion and and uh, the enjoyment of doing it. And I still remember, you know, when we were organizing, I mean, the 31st of uh, December is always a great day, you know, but yeah. the incredible satisfaction to see, you know, 500 people in a ballroom having a great time. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's such an incredible satisfaction. And then if you obviously come into a senior role, you need to be able to, you know, it's, it has to be genuine that you genuinely want to be there because yeah. people are going to follow you and they, they, they're going to do is you. If you walk fast, you, they're going to walk fast. If you smile, they smile. If you don't smile, they don't smile. Yeah. So so uh, it's so incredibly important, especially in our business, uh, that is a people business, that you have that attitude. And it's all about attitude. And I still remember a quote from Isidore Sharp from Four Seasons. You know, some, somebody asked him once, you know, how come I come with Four Seasons and I'm not, I'm not doing promotion for Four Seasons. We do the same thing at Raffles. You know, so I, I'd like to highlight that. But um, I thought it was just a, a great quote where he said, I come in Four Seasons, you know, you get that, that, that same type of feeling in any hotel, even if some are older or some newer, etc. And then he, he said, look, uh, we, we only hire nice people. You know, nice people mean people who have the attitude, want to serve. And that's what, you know, that's what it is. Some people like to serve. I always like to serve. I, I was working as a, you know, as a waiter to make money and I really enjoyed it because I like to serve. Some people don't like to serve. Yep. So, so it's probably not the business in two to go into if you don't like to serve. And some people have a big heart and some don't, you know, and then uh, uh, so, so we are trying, when we are trying to look for uh, candidates to join our organization is really trying to look for, for, for these colleagues that have that big heart and they have that, that attitude. Yeah. And it's a little bit of a cliche to say we, we hire by attitude and then we teach skills. Okay. We all know that, but it's, it's, that's what everybody says. But the, the, the key is the delivery and the consistency to do it and to, to have the ability to say, no, I'm not going to hire that person, even though uh, he has a great CV because he does, it just doesn't have the attitude or we yeah. don't feel. Also, we don't feel there's a good fit between the organization and uh, its, its, its personality. I, I think that's absolutely massive. I mean, you know, as a recruiter, that, that for me is the, the, the thing that rules everything for me is that, and it's actually the thing that I still am massively engaged to, which is actually what I'm trying to do is marry people with businesses. I'm not marrying a CV necessarily, even though the brief that I might get might be about the CV. It's ultimately around, is that person going to work well with that group of people? Yeah. And, you know, if, if you get that right, that's when you get longevity and that's when you get sparks fly. You get stability. You get all of the things that you need to be able to drive a business forward. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's that right fit because you can really die. Uh, that, you know, maybe another story. I have a lot of stories, but like, uh, that's, oh, a, that's a, unleash, a, unleash. Unleash, unleash. <laughs> that's a good one, you know, because uh, when I joined Ritz Carlton, you know, with Hyatt, we never used to do personality tests and, and so on. So, you know, we, we were kind of working by gut feeling, we had a good interviews, references, all that good thing. But, yeah. uh, you know, so, so I was in Bali and I wanted to hire a director of marketing, system marketing. Marketing. And um, my director of sales marketing in, in Singapore, great lady, and she was uh, really excellent. So I thought she's the perfect candidate, you know. So I was then told, oh, no, 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 you have to let her go through, you know, that personality test. I said, no, no, don't worry. I've worked with her for like, you know, four years. I know her. And Sunday she did the test, and then then it, it's there were a couple of things. She was not a good fit. Not that she was not a good person, but she was not a good fit to our organization. Obviously, the Ritz Carlton organization, the philosophy, and so on. And she right. she was definitely not a bad person. But suddenly I started realizing. Mm, you know, maybe that's true. And I would have made a big mistake, not only for the hotel, but most importantly for her, because, you know, she wouldn't have felt comfortable in the organization. And unfortunately, she would, she maybe would have left, you know, so yeah. it, it was a good experience that I had there. That's, that's really interesting, actually, because I think I, I talk to lots of different people who have very, very different views on personality profiling. 
yeah. uh, as, as a method as part of the recruitment process. And, you know, a lot of the times you some well, sometimes you feel like you're, you have the right person, but they, they just don't get through the first round, which happens to be a personality profiling. And now I kind of understand why. I mean, you know, these things do have a habit of being scarily accurate. And my perception sometimes has always been that that's, that's quite a corporate method to recruit. And I've, al- I've always had this kind of uh, fight, I suppose, in my own brain about hospitality and corporate, because I- I've always believed that hospitality done well or, or correctly should never feel corporate. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that's kind of telling me that, uh, that actually it absolutely has its place. Yeah, I think so. And I use it as a tool. So, so, uh, mostly as a tool also for second, second interviews that, uh, you know, dig a deeper, uh, and so on. And because I'm obviously the, that whole recruitment process, I mean, you're in the recruitment world, you know, how uh, crucial it is. Yeah. We're just going through the recruitment of the MD for the new raffles in London. And it has been, you know, a very, very long, long process and I have absolutely no issue to 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 go through the process because you are never 100% sure that it's going to work out, but you want to really put all the best chances on your side. Because yeah. um, like any organization, it starts at the top. And if you have the right GM with the right attitude in place, everything follows. Yeah, absolutely. What I will say is, where was my call? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a few more openings. Don't worry. Don't worry. No, very don't. good. Very good. We'll talk about that later. That's fine. Yes. Um, great. Well, back to your journey, and thank you very much for that. It was really, I found that really, really interesting. The, a little bit of insight into the kind of the reasoning and behind the process, I, I suppose, as to you know sometimes where you you just think, why is that there? Just it's just getting in the way, mm. but uh, but actually not the case at all. No. No, no. Then, uh, you know, Middle East came, uh, you know, so I spent a lot of in, uh, time in Asia, Middle East. That was really when Dubai started. I was at the Ritz-Carlton, small hotel. I wanted to uh, find stability for my kids also. So there were two reasons, yeah. one professional, the other one. And that's the challenge also when you start traveling, obviously, when your kids are growing older, etc. you know, it becomes a little bit more challenging. So you, you, you make some some uh you know professional decision to 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 obviously to to fill in your your family priorities yep. but that was the great experience i, I at the at the ritz carlton i still remember i don't know if you know the hotel the original ritz carlton on the beach in in jumeirah yeah 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 there was nothing behind everything fine beautiful hotel yes. uh you know at and a then, different time <laughs> Then somebody uh, told me, oh, there's an Italian gentleman who wants to talk to you. I said, oh, that's fine. That's great. Let me talk to him. He said, look, um, uh, Mark, are you the GM? I said, yeah, I'm the GM. So so we have some good news and some bad news. I said, okay, good. Give me give me the, the bad news first. You know, say, okay, we're, we're going to build 40, that's four zero towers behind your hotel. I said, oh, right, thank you. Right. Tell me, and yeah. tell me, what's the good news? Oh, we'll do it in 18 months. I said, <laughs> And uh, hell. yeah, Hard. yeah, typical Dubai story. And yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, 18 was maybe, maybe took two years and it was like 24 hours work nonstop, you know, the, the, the resort surrounded by uh, this tower, this traffic, uh, the noise, the pollution, etc. But what, uh, you know, there's two things you can do. You can say, oh, you know, blame the construction on the noise and so on, or say, what what can we do? It's like, yeah, why why don't we uh, put incredible focus on our guests? You know, really engage with them, make sure that they're completely, completely engaged. And yeah. uh, that's something. Obviously, there were not that many luxury hotels in Dubai. You know, so so so. It's not like today. Yeah, not, not much has changed, has it? Really? Yeah. <laughs> but, but what we we really achieved uh, was just unbelievable. Christmas, New Year, ten days minimum stay, including New Year's Eve, etc. And the moment uh, our guests would check out, they would book for the next 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 year. They want to be there, and they had their right. kids grow up at the resort, and and then uh, you know they knew the families, and we created an incredible 
success there, uh, commercial, but also with the engagement with our customer whilst this whole construction was going on, you know. So, yeah. and, and one of the ways I think that really helped is, um, you know, with Ritz-Carlton, we do engagement scores, you know, so obviously we ask our, our colleagues their opinion about things. Um, are you are you paid enough? They always say no. Clearly, we know that. Is the food in the cafeteria good? They always say no, could be better and so on. But um, there was one hotel in, um, in Shanghai that scored 100% on uh, the engagement factor, basically the basic question to say, are you happy and satisfied with the organization, with the hotel, etc.? cetera? So you, are you happy basically? Right. And I was always in the uh, 92, 93, 94, which was really still top of the line. But uh, as um, I'm very competitive, I, I definitely wanted to reach that, that elusive 100%. Yeah. So, so I, I, I called the GM and I said, look, um, Tell me a little bit. How how did you do that? Is that uh, you know? Is that China? You force people. You bribe them. You <laughs> what 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 you what you do to get a hundred percent? He said, "Look, yeah. uh, I'm not too sure. Honestly, I'm not too sure if this is the solution. But what I'm doing is is something quite simple. Is that and you know I know it's again something that is practiced very much in many, many hotels is, you know, I have very regular sessions with our colleagues, you know, round tables with coffee, tea, cookies, and so on, mm. where, uh, you know, I really listen to what everybody has has to say, feedback, etc. And I do that uh, with strict follow-up and communication and so on. So I said, oh, that's interesting. So I did exactly the same thing. And uh, I thought it was so powerful. Number one, I got to know our colleagues by by name. I understood, uh, you know, I, I, I knew their families. I knew the, ki- the name yeah. of the kids. Number two, I was so uh, amazed with their interest to really, really improve the hotel uh, and they had the best ideas because they are they were day day in day out and they they were talking to the guests and they were they had some great ideas how to improve efficiency how to make more money and how to save right. costs and so on yeah. and and uh, again not only because of that but we achieved that hundred percent you know which was uh, I thought a great achievement to to have really a hundred percent of the colleagues and we had about three fifty. To say yes, I'm happy. I'm not, you know, I, I sh- I'd like to get paid more, and I think the food in the in the cafeteria could be improved. It's either too spicy or not spicy, uh, but I'm happy in the organization, and I want to stay here, uh, which is uh, should be the ultimate goal, really, because at the end of the day, then it's uh, your colleagues who are really going to deliver the service. Yeah, you know that that highlights to me that the uh, sometimes the the simplest things make the biggest difference. Because actually, what you've done there is really, I suppose, come come down to a very basic human level, just by letting them have a voice and and giving them their opportunity to have an opinion that is then respected and not shot at. You know, you you actually make your organisation much much better. Yeah, and you give them more status in the organisation without giving them a, a bigger title or more salary or anything like that, just by. Mm letting them have a voice yeah you you know i always say our business is not rocket science obviously it has become much more complicated uh you know with yeah. uh, the whole online digital and so on it's extremely complicated now you know if you have gms uh you know they always uh, maybe are strong in one area but the 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 the, the pressure on the gms to perform today is it's totally different from what it was 20 years ago, you know. So, so yeah. I mean, that, that's that's definitely a thing. But I always say it's, it's not rocket science. It is, it's really basic. And I still remember, you know, when I was with Ritz Carlton, I did a lot of speaking engagement. I mean, we were asked to to go and speak in front of um, you know organizations to to uh, to to share with them uh, our quality processes and and so on so one day i was invited to a car dealership you know i think it was ford middle east or something so i had you know a hundred car dealers in the ballroom and i was supposed oh, yeah. to explain to them <laughs> you know I, what we do and then i i i was 
kind of thinking about it, I said, this is a little bit ridiculous because I'm going to tell them some such basic things. They, 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 they're just going to laugh at me. So I said, look, um, <laughs> you know, uh, with Ritz Carlton and, you know, that's what we have also with, uh, you know, uh, other luxury groups. We have kind of a three step of service. One is obviously to to welcome our customers. So the second, they warm, we call that a warm welcome. The other one is obviously exceeding their expectations because clearly in a luxury hotel, if you just meet, that's not enough. You have to exceed and delight and engage with them. And the third thing is to you know, to give them a fond farewell. You know, how basic is that? So yeah. asked, I was a little, uh, you know, thinking, I said, you know, I, I need to complicate that. So anyway, I didn't have a choice. So I told them, look, uh, you know, last couple of months, I, I looked for a car and I I, I, I I went to different dealerships and I looked at the car. So I went to, let's say, maybe Mercedes dealership and Lexus and this and that. And uh, it was very interesting because, you know, nobody was at the door. Nobody welcomed me. Most of them, nobody. I was going to make a, a purchase of whatever it is, $50,000, $100,000 or $80,000, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, and nobody took care to actually welcome me and, and and say oh we're so glad that you are here with us yeah what can i do for you uh, the dealers were sitting behind the desk and they were just waiting for me and then approach them and find they were good the, the only dealership that that really was different was lexus at that time many years ago mm. and you know what car i bought a Lexus. I bought a Lexus. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, it, it, it was such a, and they, they, I mean, they couldn't believe it. And they, they were like so excited about this. And then obviously, you know, the meeting and the, uh, you know, engaging with the customers and so on and yeah. on, on, on making sure that truly understand what the customer wants. You know, if you have family, what kind of car, etc. And the last bit is really the fun farewell. You know, if somebody has spent 40, 50, 60, 80,000 or in a hotel, maybe 10,000 euros or $10,000, to 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 let them go it's it's a crucial moment where you say goodbye and please come back you know so very what i want to say you know it's not rocket science but how can you really introduce it consistently and really make sure that you uh focus on those points yeah these are as you say it's not rocket science these are fundamentally very basic principles but you've got to have somebody who believes in that who then wants to pass that on to the to the guest and the, the overall experience that somebody has right and and actually your um, experience with with Lexus highlights the you know how much of an effect that can have on someone mm. now you know Lexus is a great car let's not be you know let's not beat around the bush it's still a great car but you know does it stand up to other cars that are in a, a maybe the class above possibly not but the the experience that you're that you gain from there, I just find that really, really fascinating. Yeah, yeah, not totally, you know. So, and that fun farewell as well is a massive thing for me. The amount of times that I've stayed in in hotels where they, you, you know, they just don't get that right. It's that old adage of the, you know, the last meal that somebody has in your hotel is generally breakfast. Yeah, uh, you know, unless they've got a late night flight or something like that, and they stay and use the, the facilities for the day, and maybe mm-hmm. they have lunch. Mm-hmm. But it amazes me how many uh, companies drop the ball on breakfast. Yeah. yeah. And you know, the, the famous question after you stay in a hotel and you spend a couple of thousand dollars, uh, sir, did you have anything from the minibar? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then I say, uh, no, I don't think. Are you sure? Are you sure you didn't have uh, peanuts? <laughs> mm. you, you, you know what I mean? It's a terrible question. You shouldn't ask that question. I mean, yeah. especially luxury. I mean, if they if they had another pack of of, of uh, peanuts, so so be it. You know, so that's the. Yeah. But to ask that question is a, is a crazy question. You shouldn't you shouldn't be you know you shouldn't ask that question. It should be all about uh, you know uh, you know uh, is, is there anything we can do? Can we give you an, a, a bottle of water? Uh, uh, you know, your transportation has arranged has been arranged. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, they, they, oh, it's cold outside. Uh, you know, we prepared you a little uh, coffee of tea or you know whatever it is or you know yeah. uh, here is uh, you know fresh apple from our you know apple fields whatever it is it shouldn't be asking us asking about their, their the peanuts that they have stolen yeah. 
can we squeeze some more money out of you, sir? Yes, you leave? yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so, it's not exactly so, the greatest experience. But, and you um, know, it, it really applies. And that's why we, we did this speaking engagement to various businesses, you know, like, let's say a bank, you know, a bank, mm-hmm. you, you push the button, you get a number. And you, you of course, they, maybe there's some priority banking and so on, if you spend more money with them. But it's not a, it's not a great experience. Even the check-in, the check-in of uh, an airline, you know, it's not, it's, 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 it's not a fantastic experience, really. No, certainly not. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 and that's the start, and, 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 and so on, you know. So, so you, you can apply a lot of things um, from the hospitality business into other businesses, and obviously, we can learn a lot from other businesses too. Yeah. Yeah, I tell you the, the the one part of the world for me that that absolutely needs some some guest experience training is uh, is immigration in the US. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they, they absolutely. Automatically are made to feel like a criminal as yeah. soon as you you walk into the, yes, the country. Yes, but... yes. And you know what? I I worked before a core. I, I I did a project in in Saudi Arabia, and I experienced Saudi Arabia many years ago. Uh, and and uh, recently, I mean, two years ago, I was flying quite often to Riyadh, and I was amazed what they had done there because they 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 had really trained all the they were all locals, ladies and gentlemen, you know, yeah. and they don't have a great. I mean, generally, I mean, it's I don't like to generalize, but they don't generally don't have a great service attitude. Just they don't have a history of service. That's that's what that's our. But they're lovely people, mm. and they. I, I thought that change was incredible, but the only thing they forgot is that they, they didn't do the phone farewell because I think they only trained one one part of the team, but they didn't didn't train the other ones, you know. So 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 right. the, the arrival was actually very friendly and very good, but the departure was not that great, you know. So anyway, right. but that was uh, that was. It's funny though, isn't it? I mean, it's your, it's your first impression of. Of any country that you go yeah. into, yes, uh, yeah. you know, and it, it very—I have to say—I remember driving through Switzerland um, and uh, getting stopped at um, border control. Yeah, and I—I I, I thought they were amazing. You know, they were. It was like, oh, you don't have that. Like, that's fine, sir. If you just go down there, that's fine. We'll look after you there. That's what you need to get that. And I was like, yes, here we are. I feel like I want to come into this country. Um, and actually, you know, um, the, you can also remain secure. Uh, and actually, you could argue that if you're if you're relaxing people, you're actually uh, le- get, getting them to let down their guard. So you'll learn yeah. more about them anyway. Yeah, yeah. Just like this podcast. No, know. absolutely. Yeah. You know. So <laughs> then, moving on from Ritz Carlton, the the you know, one day I had a phone call, and the phone call came from Imar. Yeah. And actually, from the chairman's office, you know, Chairman Alabar is the chairman of Imar, etc. And mm-hmm. they say, uh, "Would you be interested to 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 talk to us?" I said, well, you know, uh, property developer, etc. Yeah, why not? You know, we can talk. Then they said, "Look, um, we're building all these assets. We have like a polo club and fitness business, and we have hotels. We're building them. We don't know what to do. Would you like to join us and start up?" The organization, and that wow. that's that's that, that's that was a decision between okay, I stay with Ritz Carlton, happy ever after, great company, move uh, to my to my you know twenty years with Ritz Carlton and retire happily in Colorado or somewhere, yeah, <laughs> or, or, or take on a new challenge. And I said, wow, this is so exciting to actually start something from scratch and be able to implement all the things that I, I wanted to do or what I learned in the past. You know? So I, I went and they basically said, uh, met with the chairman on this group and they said, look, um, would you like to join us? You tell us what to do. We want to hear. So, you know, on a, on a, on a back of an envelope, I, I, I told them what we needed to do, basically, you know, set up a structure and so on. And then, and he basically said, okay, when can you start? I said, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, let me discuss that. But he said, uh, he basically said, let's just go and, you know, come and join us. Okay, so I joined them. And then uh, uh, it was really exciting because we started with uh, 400 colleagues and we ended up with 4,000. 
uh, oh, you know, uh, in, in a couple of years. And, uh, you know, I fought a great brand, uh, you know, local brand address, the address hotels, you know. Yeah. Uh, and they're, well, they're going from strength to strength. Uh, yeah, the they're doing very well. well. Yeah, doing very yeah. well. So that's great. You know, so and I still remember uh, proposing to the chairman to say, look, um, I think we have this great opportunity to create our own brand because we had four or five hotels in our portfolio versus giving them to uh, uh, Accor or Four Seasons or, or Marriott, etc. And uh, his response said, uh, yes, uh, go go do it, <laughs> but do it yeah. fast, but do it fast, right. you know. So, uh, yeah, uh, we, need to, we need to put up 40 hotels in 18 months. Go. Yes, exactly. Go go yeah. do it, do it quickly yeah. and do it fast, you know. So yalla, yalla, go, go, go. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we did that, you know, open the hotels uh, and then also uh, what was very, very exciting was obviously the collaboration with Giorgio Armani. And that was yeah. um, the one thing was creating a brand, the address brand. The other one was really, uh, obviously, Armani is a, is a brand, but how to translate the Armani DNA in, in a hotel, in an hospitality brand. Yeah, and not only the brand, but it's also obviously the brand experience. Because uh, you know, what does it mean to have an Armani check-in? What does it mean to have a, 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 a room experience? What is it? You know, so yeah. so that, that was must be really interesting. That was do. super super interesting, and yeah. working working you know very very closely with an incredible icon. Uh, that uh, you know, I have an incredible respect of. Uh, yeah, well, at least you, you know the uh, the uniform is going to be good. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I have a story for that also. You know, oh, because, go on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so so we had obviously Armani uh, uniforms, and we 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 hired a lot of young people, good looking, etc. Great attitude. Never worked in the hotel business and so on. The only problem when we we got the shoes, so we had for the hostesses, we had uh, stilettos. Which were great, you know, beautiful for about the first half an hour, and they yeah. had a, they had an eight-hour shift, you know. So after that, they were pretty much crying. Um, so we had a couple of these experiences uh, that were interesting, and just maybe one, uh, two, two little stories, which I think I I, I always um, repeat the stories because they they're quite special. One is then uh, you know we had the grand opening of uh, you know uh, Dubai. Uh, flew in all the models and had a fashion show and Mr. Armani came and, and so on. And then our we, we told our colleagues, they said, look, um, you know, please don't approach Mr. Armani. Don't do any selfies and don't, <laughs> don't, you know, don't bother him because, I mean, he's obviously very busy and so on. And Mr. Armani arrives. He does selfies with everybody. He's <laughs> he's uh, behind the DJ booth and on, on, on playing music oh, and uh, taking pictures and talking to everybody. And then I I I told Mr. Armani, you know, I I really enjoyed what you did because uh, you know we we briefed our our team that um, we didn't want them to to bother you. I said, look, Mark, it's very simple. You know, my name is uh, is the brand. And I represent the brand. So if I'm not approachable, then my brand is not approachable. And that was yeah. a great lesson. That was a great lesson. So true, though, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you know, again, a very simple idea, but what a massive impact. It's, it was huge, you know. And then the, the last bit that maybe for that story is is when we did the opening, we had about 500 colleagues. And uh, I, I, after the grand opening, which went, very nice, everything fine, everybody happy. I, I had an email from Milan that said, look, uh, we want the name of all the participants, uh, uh, all the colleagues. And I said, okay, I send, send them the 500 with their position, basically. And then uh, we, we had a shipment arrive with a personal gift for each one. Right. With a personal note, which was done by by his office, obviously, but I think he even I can't remember if he actually signed those. Maybe right. somebody else signed it, personally addressed by name to all our colleagues, and then a nice little gift, uh, be it a belt or a tie or a scarf, etc. I mean, he he didn't he didn't have to do that, but he he wanted to do it. Yeah, and I think that's on the uh, you know I can tell you. All these colleagues have that scarf, have that note. They still have it, you know. And I'm yeah. sure, you know, whatever the belt or whatever they they received. But that has a lasting impression as well, doesn't it? On on the people, in terms of you know, 
the the initial thought is, well, this is somewhere where I'm respected and this is where I want to work. Yeah. And again, a simple thing. It might, I mean, I suppose the outlay of all of those things might have been quite expensive <laughs> with that brand, but nevertheless, you know, the the impact that has is uh, is probably lives lives long in the memory. Yeah. No, absolutely. And then, uh, then you so, so that was a great experience. And then I, I worked with um, <clears throat> the Cree family in Singapore on again developing a brand. And the concept was 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 very actually in, in interesting because we said, you know, we wanted to really break away from all the traditional uh, structures in in that we had in in terms of of organization so we really try to break out the silos to you know the bellboy and the concierge on the front desk and so on mm. and try to open up the spaces that uh it was a small boutique hotel you know so we said okay it doesn't you are multi-skilled and you're going to do everything in that area basically yeah. and one of the interview processes we had was to really find a passion in everybody uh, a hobby you know so one of the questions for the candidates was really what is your passion so, so there's two two questions number one if somebody has a passion that means he can he can develop a passion for the customer if you if you have a, an interview and he says oh, I, I don't have a passion i don't have a hobby i watch tv and you know that's it you know i, I can't yeah. have a passion so okay <laughs> that was that was really wrong answer right but then <laughs> then we were looking for for people who had a, a very specific passion, for example, I always brought uh, the calligraphy. You know, that was always my uh, example. Mm. That uh, you know, Johnny in the laundry uh, is passionate about calligraphy because his grandfather and his father and so on are, are, are you know were uh, experts in it. Or, or uh, Tai Chi, for example, as an example. So then, yeah. when we get into conversations with customers, and they say, you know, I'd like to. You know, I, I, I don't know about, um, you know, calligraphy, etc. I would say, look, we have an expert in the hotel uh, and it's Johnny uh, and he can really, you know, talk to you. And then Johnny comes from the laundry, meets with the customer and, and really is really passionate about his knowledge and says, look, if you want, you can tomorrow, whenever you have time, we can visit my grandfather who is really an incredible expert, you know. So you give suddenly number one, a great feeling to the colleague because yeah. you know he speaks to a customer number two for the customer you create something that you cannot pay for you know yeah yeah you, yeah and that was kind of the concept of the service delivery which unfortunately i i i, I, I didn't have a chance to put it through because the hotel got delayed and then it got sold etc i think that's actually when you and i connected initially it could uh, be, yeah, yeah. It yeah, could be. At that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That's going back a few years now, I think. I know, I know, I know, I know. So I think that's... Uh, but I, I was glad to see that finally they, they will open up a Patino Hotel in uh, the Maldives, you know, so, so that's right. good. At least all that good work uh, didn't go for nothing. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, obviously I joined the Jumeirah group, which was, uh, you know, a great group, lots of potential, and then uh, came to Accor, you know, so so quite uh, a few experiences yeah so how many properties do you have under your guard now so 45 okay. between three raffles hotels one in warsaw beautiful property the royal Monceau is the raffles also and then yeah. uh, uh istanbul and then uh, on the raffles side with a great flagship opening in london uh, whitehall yeah. i mean you know you know the building it's a uh, it's going to be a, a really really interesting hotel we just i can't wait i'm, yeah. I'm a, a little bit of a, a hotel geek when it comes to these sorts of things so there's some really exciting properties coming to the market in london uh, yeah. once once we're allowed to reopen again exactly Exactly. So look forward to that opening. We just signed Moscow also. Right. Uh, Fairmont also, obviously existing hotels like uh, the Savoy, but uh, we're opening uh, Fairmont in Windsor, which yeah. should do very well. We're also opening one in uh, Ireland, just outside of Dublin, with two championship golf courses. So so, so so quite quite exciting. We just signed Moscow, so we're in pre-opening for Moscow, Fairmont. And we took over two hotels, one the former Kempinski Hotel in Geneva, 
is being completely renovated and the former intercon in Prague is also being renovated to Fairmont, you know, so right. lots of happening there. On the Sofitel side also, um, the St. James is one of our flagships in, in yep. London. Has yep. done really, really well uh, during the good times. Uh, we have uh, also on the so so is our is our lifestyle brand. So we have two openings there: one in Paris and one in So Soto Grande in Spain. You know, so it's a mix, mixture of existing hotels, about forty-five and about fifteen hotels under development. Right, right, yeah. Well, certainly enough for you to get your teeth into, I'm sure. No, absolutely. I mean, also what is quite exciting with Bacor is obviously the brands that we have, 40 brands, yeah. uh, large selection of great brands. The other one is also our focus on luxury. And I think Sebastian Bazin is very, very clear. We want to focus on luxury. We Historically, Accor is not known to have been a, a leader in luxury, but uh, our luxury participation will really move much higher now mm. with all those great brands. And one ultra-luxury boutique brand that we have and will expand is the Orient Express brand. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is a you know a fantastic name, fantastic brand, and uh, but we are very very extremely selective in the way we're going to proceed. So we're currently discussing projects uh, at the moment in Rome and in uh, Istanbul, but we have a lot a lot of uh, interest in the brand, but we are extremely selective uh, because really Orient Express, a little bit like Raffles, is really uh, working in the ultra luxury space. Yeah. Yeah, it's always, uh, I mean, before the, the brand kind of expanded into hotels as well, the um, it, I think it would have been on a lot of people's bucket list to go and have afternoon tea on the Orient Express. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's kind of the, the romance of traveling, you know, it's, it's yeah. kind of romance and, and uh, you know, I think it's perfect, the timing is perfect because especially in the ultra luxury segment, you know, high net worth individuals are truly looking for very exclusive, very unique experiences that you, you can't just duplicate. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I know that the world of train travel is, uh, is getting more and more competitive in that space. Um, I've seen some phenomenal projects uh, in the pipeline around the world. Yeah. Um, so yeah, once ever we can get past what we're going through at the moment, there's there's a lot to be excited about. No, absolutely. You know, I, I don't think travel will go away. When when I see, for example, uh, you know, last summer we were rather successful. Uh, I must say, uh, when we we thought that things were coming back, we always knew there would be a second wave. But uh, mm. uh, we we were quite successful on the leisure side. Then. Uh, when you look at, for example, obviously Dubai over Christmas, New Year, I was there. Obviously, they were the only ones open, but there was such an interest in that destination or the Maldives, for example, also. Yeah. You can really see the moment people will feel comfortable again to travel, they will travel, they will go. And yeah. leisure will be first, individual leisure. And I think especially the ultra luxury will do very well. Where we are going to struggle is probably more on the mice, you know, the larger yeah. groups, etc. That will take more time. And then corporate travel, some corporate travel might not even come back just because uh, companies have learned to to also work, uh, you know, from home, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be on videos. Well, I've had uh, I've had conversations on this very format with you know regional HR people who are looking at the way that they used to to get around their business and and looking at, at you know being more efficient on that in the future i i think it's inevitable that that will take a lot longer to 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 bounce back it's yeah. generally i suppose history tells us that in in situations of decline on the on the back of it it, it is the the ultra luxury segment and the and the budget segment that bounce back very quickly it's just all the middle bits just take take their own time. Yeah, yeah, but you know when, but even corporate travel will come back. You know, I'm I, I yeah. just returned from Paris. I was in Paris this week, and uh, you, you know I met with my team there that are based there, and you know suddenly we looked at each other. When is the last time we actually physically saw each other? And it was March, so yeah. nearly nearly a year. 
And I, I said, we can't have that. You know, we, we must meet again. Uh, I met with most of our owners in Paris. Uh, and even though it was a coffee and we didn't really, we, we did share, you know, a lunch in an office, sometimes with a few, but it, it was just a total different thing than having a Zoom call. Yeah. And, and it's it still will be there. We will obviously uh, have reduced travel, but it, it still will be there. Yeah, I, I think there's. It's highlighted that the um, I think you know Zoom has its practical place and and other formats, but actually you, there's no substitution for human contact. Yeah, actually, I agree. I think we all we all crave it in some form, and yeah, it might take a little bit of time, but I I believe I'm like you. I think when they start releasing lockdowns and start allowing travel a lot more. I think there'll be a lot of people who feel like they've been let off the leash. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, look, I'm, I'm conscious of time and I appreciate you spending so much time with, with me today, having a chat. There's some absolute golden nuggets in here. What would you say to somebody who was contemplating a, a career in hospitality? I think I think it's still a very exciting business, you know, but like it's back to what I said uh, earlier, you, you, you need to be really have that passion for it. And, you, you know, if, if, if you have that passion, then you're going to do very well. And then you, you, you've got to have the attitude. You, you've got to love what you do, you know. So if, if serving is something that you, you like to do in any form, uh, if, if uh, you know, meeting people and dealing with people is something that you feel comfortable with and you, you like to do, uh, if, if contact with people is, is what you're looking for, uh, it's it's a great business and will continue to be a fantastic business. So for me, uh, I, w- I would definitely uh, still recommend it as as a great career. Yeah, no doubt. And I think the you know it it can take you in so many different directions, can't it? You know, it, it's not just about front of house. There's you know there's so many different roles: engineering, marketing. You know, you kind of name it really. Even on remote resorts, you've got medical teams. So you know, you can literally do anything in this industry. Yep, absolutely. Splendid. Uh, well, thank you very much, Mark. It's been an absolute pleasure to, to chat with you today. And I wish you all the very best in the in the year ahead across all of your territories. And I'll be uh, keeping a close eye on your, your progress for sure. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. Real pleasure. And thank you for inviting me. You're very, very welcome. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheers, now. Bye-bye. And there we have it. A huge thank you to Mark for giving us his time and talking us through his journey so far, as well as giving us so many stories and excellent chat. Thanks so much, Mark. Don't forget, we'll be back at 8pm next Wednesday with more stories from hospitality. But until then, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.